word uh, in, in your hearing to anoint that. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me. Abba Father, I want to thank you for the ways that you have shown love and grace this week. I want to thank you for miracles. I want to thank you for the sanity that comes by faith, hope, and love. And I thank you that you have drawn people here. Lord, I am your servant. I will obey you. I ask that you make our hearts tender and not hard. And that we will listen. And by your spirit, we will know the authority and the power and the goodness of your kingdom. Please bless in Jesus' name. I gotta, I gotta do it. Brag on God just for a little bit. As you know, so much of what I do, I cannot comment about. I saw a marriage restored that was so damaged. Divorce was imminent. A miracle and the restoration of marriage. Saw a man released from the bondage and the chains of pornography. I've seen people in the last few weeks, for the first time, a woman is starting to be able to have freedom to cry in front of her husband, show emotions. Her heart has been so damaged and in so in, in the bondage of child abuse that as an adult, she did not give herself permission to have emotions. You think that's a problem? Do you think? And we struggle because we catch a few stoplights when we're in a hurry. Or they're having a bad hair day. Or their church isn't like perfect. Or the programs are perfect. Sometimes I think it'd be fun to put a bunch of mistakes on PowerPoint just to see how you handle it. <laughs> Who cares, man? Who cares? In the kingdom economy of God, people matter. Do you understand? It's about people. All right. So look what happens. This is the living word of God. It's like a sword. There's this situation going on in this, in this gathering of people, these believers, where persecution is getting really intense to the point that their property is being taken. They're forfeiting assets and bank accounts. And they did have banks back then, by the way. They're losing property. They're being persecuted. They're suffering because they follow Jesus. You may not be aware that Rome actually, actually issued edicts that it's against the law to have private meetings. And I mean that in very simple terms. You're not allowed to meet in somebody's house. No unsanctioned private meetings. It's real. That was going on. And so the church had to go underground like they're doing in China right now. So serious persecution. And guess what? There were Christians, those who named the name of Jesus, who claimed to know the filling of the Holy Spirit, who claimed to know gifting. Look at what it says. These people have been once enlightened. They've tasted the heavenly gift, been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. Boy, sounds like they're born again, doesn't it? And they've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. And then they have fallen away. They've renounced their faith. They've said, I'd rather be a Jew and go to synagogue because it's safer to do that. I'm tired 
of persecution. I am no longer a follower of Jesus. Bruce tries recently, I met one of his friends who was a follower of Jesus, has renounced his faith and is now practicing Judaism. They have fallen away. And the author says it's impossible to renew that person to faith again because they crucified themselves to themselves. The Son of God put them to an open shame. That's hard because, you know, we, we, we want this idea that we are so secure, anything goes and we're good. <laughs> we like that. I'm so secure, anything goes and I'm just fine. But that's not the case. And then look what happens in verse 9. This is amazing. Hebrews 6, 9. Please just listen. Please dial out the distractions. You know, children, one of our core values at Christ Church is that children should be with moms and dads. They should listen. Can you imagine a child listening as their father stands in church and speaks the truth of God? How powerful it is for a child to watch mom and dad obey the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful. It's good that little children are here. But remember, moms and dads, it's your responsibility to to train them, to teach them that this is a a place of reverence. And we're not just going to play, you know, uh, Red Rover, Red Rover, come on over inside the sanctuary at the same time, okay? So we're going to try to dial down any distractions. Listen closely to verse 9. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you, things that accompany salvation, though you're speaking in this way. What, listen, oh my gosh, Abba Father, speak. For God is not unjust so as to forget your good work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I want you to see this. I think it's going to be very valuable for you. Let's look at this right here. Notice the the two groups. You've got in, in the first group I'm so sorry, my thumb's here. Here we go. The first group, you've got these descriptors of people who are falling away. These are the people who are, they believe it's not worth it to follow Jesus. All right? Now, please, please, please understand, we're not talking about somebody that struggles with their quiet time. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who wants a double life. And here's the double life. That you, during during the the, the social exchanges of your day, and in the Greco-Roman world where these people are living, doors were unlocked. They were left open all through the the day. and It was not uncommon for, for strangers to walk into your home. And sometimes businesses and homes were in the same area, same house. And so a business customer might walk in and there's your family. It's very open, all right? Uh, As opposed to neighborhoods that are now gated and every door is locked and nobody's allowed in your home. No one just walks into your house. It's very different in this era. And so because of this, 
your faith tended to be public. And we're talking about people that I, I will renounce Christ. If someone says, you're a follower of Jesus, you say, I do not know that man. Because you're going to do everything it takes to protect yourself. And so while you're living this double life that I will not be a public follower of Jesus, but I can sneak in to a couple of Christian friends and maybe take the Eucharist and act like everything's okay. It's a double life. I can sneak in. I can have a little bit of church with some of, some of my followers of Jesus. And I can think that I'm still connected to the body of Christ. But when it comes to the rest of that time, I deny him. I don't want to go to trial. I don't want to be arrested again. And there's this double life. And remember the imperative verbs. That has happened over and over. And it's happened so much that the scriptures will make it clear. They have fallen away. They are no longer bound for the kingdom of God. And this kind of sneaking back in and, and praying our little salvation prayer, God says, uh-uh, you keep nailing my son to the cross enough. You can't crucify it for yourself at your little convenience because you're ashamed of Jesus in public, but in secret little private meetings, he's like, it's okay to do that now. Enough. Enough. You're not putting my son back on the cross anymore. I've given you umpteen you know, opportunities. The imperative verbs. This is the guy doing it, the girl doing it over and over and over and over again. Enough. And then look at the shift. Watch the pronouns. Verse 9, but beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. What do we notice? There's two groups. This is in-group language. This is out-group language. Look at the pronouns. Things concerning you in 4 to 6, it's those, it's them, it's they. When you drop down to 9-12, it's you, it's us, it's we. It's us. Those who really are followers of Jesus. And he calls him beloved. This is the only time that you, you see the word beloved in the book of Hebrew, the letter to the Hebrews. Agapitoi. And we could translate it in English as... My, my loving friends, the friends that we, that we have a deep bond. <clears throat> this is beautiful. Watch what happens. For God is not unjust. Are you ready? You say you want the meat of God's word. Here it is. One of your, one of my biggest problems. And if we could really get honest. We think God is not very fair. God's not fair. God's not fair. And when something happens in my life that I don't want, God is not fair. When something doesn't happen in my life that I want, God is unjust. He's not fair. And I have this major chip on my shoulder toward him because I don't have the things I, I want and the things I don't want I seem to have. And it's not fair. And the root idea behind this is how can a good God cause suffering for his good children? It's not fair. And the author uses a word to try to get at this idea. Hey, you've got to remember, he's not unjust. He is not unfair. And yes, you will lose your property 
and your bank account and your IRA. Yes, your husband may be arrested. You may be arrested. You may have economic sanctions on your business and you get squeezed out of the market and you go bankrupt. Yes. And it doesn't mean that God is unfair. And he's not unfair to forget. The word forget is very unusual. Please listen. It's not like, if you ever forget your phone, and you go, oh, where's my phone? And is it in the car? Where is it? And you, 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 you know, you, you panic. Or my keys. My keys. Oh. I locked, by the way, I did lock my keys in the truck last night. I'm like, oh, man, I oh, forgot. No, no, that's not what he's talking about. That's not the word. He uses the word that is much more malicious than just accidentally misremembering. He uses a very malicious word. The word means to intentionally neglect, to intentionally overlook. We're talking an abandoning parent is what we're addressing. And it's not that God can't remember where the keys are. It's not that God lost his cell phone. It's the idea that God is forgetful of me. He doesn't remember me. He's overlooking me. And because of that, I feel that he's very unjust. The author says, no, God is not unjust. He is not overlooking you. He's not neglecting you. He's not neglecting your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. Are you ready for the, the word of God, the, the authority? This is the sword. You ready for this one? When he talks about your ministering to the saints, pop quiz class, what does that mean? Anybody, what do you think it means that you do ministry to the saints? What does this mean? What do you think? What's that? To brothers and sisters, certainly. But historically, what's going on? It's taking care of the people who are in jail that have been persecuted. Yes, that is it. That is it. We're talking about people arrested. Now, that could include a house arrest. Andrea, it could be in a pit in the ground, sitting in your own feces and urine. It could be chained to a wall or in wooden stocks. Are you ready for this? In the Greco-Roman world, we have, we, we have a concept of, adjustment, of justice and crime and punishment that's kind of topsy-turvy compared to us. We saw a lot of the fiasco with Kavanaugh and, and when, when you're, you're assumed to be guilty until proven innocent. That's a very Greco-Roman idea. If there's, if there's a behavioral problem, a criminal problem, you are automatically guilty. We punish and try to find out the facts. In fact, in the Greco-Roman world, you know you've heard this before, I've taught you well, that torture brings out truth. That's what, the, that's what they believed. And by the way, Jews believe that too. It's not just a Roman kind of thing. Torture brings out honesty. Because you'll, you'll speak the truth to stop the pain. Have you ever heard of waterboarding? Do you think the federal government in the U.S. knows that torture brings out truth? Who are we kidding? Every government all over the earth knows that torture brings out truth. Who are we kidding? 
what the NSA, CIA does, and every other agency around the world and other countries and their version of those things, KGB, which is a former time. You get the, you get the idea? All right. So with that comes a secondary problem. It's called guilt by association. You know what that means? You hang out with criminals, you're probably a criminal. Do you want to walk into a cell or do you want to take a rope and have some provisions in a blanket and lower it down to a guy in a pit so he can have something to eat? There was no tax burden to fund the needs of criminals. You were put in chains or stocks or in a pit or under house arrest and you just stayed there. That's it. No one provides you color TV, a gym, you know, sunshine time, walk around the park, no basketball court outside the gym. Nothing was provided for you. So if you ate, it's because one of your friends brought food to you. Would you be willing to go to prison to bring food and blankets to a Christian who was starving because they had the courage to talk about Jesus in a public place in a business environment? Would you do that? It's called guilt by association. And it could lead to your arrest and your punishment. And the, the pressure of that was so intense that people who named the name of Jesus, they claimed to be Christians, say, enough. I renounce Jesus. I lapse. I'm no longer his follower. Like Peter, I don't even know this man. I'm going back to Judaism. It's safer. And then he says, hey, but you, my, my loving best friends, you guys are so amazing. that you Watch the language. It's amazing. You know God is not overlooking you just like you are not overlooking people in prison. You core followers of Jesus, you're not neglecting your fellow brothers and sisters who are under arrest. God's not going to do that for you. God's not unjust. God is not unfair. Because you have, you have shown love toward these brothers, toward his name. And having ministered and still ministering to the saints, you're, you're going to continue to do this. You are not ashamed of Jesus. You are not ashamed of his followers. And we desire, it's a strong word, desire, epithumia. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope. Assurance, it's a compound word, pleroma. The fullness, the full assurance of hope. Until the end, so that you would not be sluggish. Uh, the word sluggish, it's, it's, uh, it's a good translation. It's also used in, in Hebrews 5.11 for those that are dull of hearing. It's the same word, dull of hearing. You know, sometimes we just don't want to hear things. We just don't want to hear it. We're tired of hearing it. So that you will not be tired of hearing these things, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let's talk about faith. Faith is beautiful. Faith is, is, is the idea that you're convinced about something. You've settled it up. You're, it's, it's not that you never struggle with doubt, but it is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. 
You have faith, patience. That means you're not an American. We Americans, we, we, we want it right now, right? We yell at our microwaves. We're Americans. I want God to do what I want, when I want. And I want it right now. <laughs> We're Americans. That's what we want. And yet that is not a Christian idea at all. That is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. Faith and patience. What are, what are some promises that we can inherit? You ready? You know, sometimes we, we read the scriptures and we miss the depth of what's going on. Listen to these promises. Beautiful. These are promises that you can claim if you have faith and patience. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they should be satisfied. Doesn't sound to me like God is unjust. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those people, when you are insulted, they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Be rewarded in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who have gone before you. Do not be hard of hearing, but be an imitator of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So what group are you in? The sluggish? The fallen or the faithful? What group are you in? You know what? I am convinced that you are all of the faithful. Not of the fallen. I'm convinced that you're not living a double life. And that you're, your presence this morning is just kind of a, a little tip. You're sliding a quarter across the table so God will you know, think you appreciate. I believe you understand faithfulness. You are the gifted body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. Speak through your gift as though the Spirit himself is speaking through you. Why this matters and how we as Christians have work to do. The work of the ministry and loving fellow believers and helping them to be faithful even when our faith may cost us everything. Obey God's spirit. How do we live this out in 2018? When you pull it from the first century world to our world today, how do we live out the truth of God's word? What do you say? Yes. 
Yes. You're actually quoting the scripture in Acts 20.35. It is a place where a statement of Jesus is given that's not recorded in the Gospels. Scholars call that an agraphon, which means it's not written. And it says this, it is more blessed to give than receive. And you just literally quoted it. Someone else, yes, David. <coughs> Yes. Because at the same time, they may be actually experiencing worse than you, even though you're in the same place. Yes. And you are brought to that place. At first, you want to be upset and think it's unfair. Yes. Until God comes into you with someone. And then how great it is to have two people now yes. in the same place. That yes. That believe in God and pray together. Yes. Do you remember Paul and Silas having... One of the sweetest worship services you can have in chains, probably sitting in their own urine because they've been there a long time. And they're singing sweet songs to Jesus. How beautiful that fellowship would be. Yes. Someone else. Hey, Chris, I have a question just for clarification. Just, this is the book of Hebrews, in my understanding, is to Jews. Jewish Christians, right. Jewish Christians. Yes. And so I'm trying to contrast what it says in verse 4 uh, and 5, where it says, tasted of the heavenly gift. And again in verse 5, tasted the good word. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really say that they received it and digested it and made it their own. And so then I talked, I looked up John 10. Jesus is talking to Jews. Yes. And he's he's saying no one can pluck me out of the bottom. No one can pluck him out of the bottom. Yeah, John 10, 27 to 30, yes. Right. So I'm I'm confused about yeah. how you how the scriptures implying that we could lose our salvation when Jesus says you can't. Right, right, right. And and that is and Randy, this is really tough. I believe it is. That's it's really, really tough, yeah. And and you know how long the church has been struggling with this? About two, about 2,000 years, okay? So you're not the first one. So, and here, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir, Rick? You know, where, where I've come uh, on this struggle sure. is that, you know, when, when Jesus or Paul in one of his letters talks about nothing can, you know, uh, remove us, you know, we're talking about external, he's talking about external forces. Yeah. Satan cannot do anything to remove our salvation from us. However, as free will agents, yeah. we can make a choice to, walk to turn our back on Christ yes. and walk yes. away. Yes. And that's what he's talking about here. Yes. Because, you know, when you talk about the, you know, have tasted, but, you know, he, he drives this home when he says, have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit. That's the eating you're talking about, not just tasting. But when you're a partaker, that means you've had the Holy Spirit within you. Yes. And then making a choice. Yes. You know, whether it's, you know, as you talked about, uh, publicly denying that you're a Christian or deciding to live a lifestyle that's contrary to the life of Christ. 
sacrifice, mm -hmm. not just an occasional, right, right. you know, falling, you know, falling to sin, but making a decision. I'm going to live this way mm -hmm. despite what yes. God's done yes. for me. Yes, yeah. Rick, you handled it well. And Randy, there's the tension that verse six really does talk about. Uh, this is a person. I'm sorry, number six, verse five that they really have been changed by the Holy Spirit. Something's happened. The Holy Spirit does not possess and indwell someone that is not of God. And this, and this it's, it's thick tension. It, it doesn't say that they received the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Let's, let's do this. Uh, what we don't want to do today is, is sidetrack this thing uh, over 4 to 6 because we dealt with that last Sunday, but really dig into 9 to 12. So let me tie it off by saying this. Here's how I work through it, okay, to avoid a sidetracking. And there's people here on various spiritual levels and what they can handle. So what we do know is that in verse 6, it says that it's impossible to renew them, which by implication means they were made new previously because you can't renew the renewal. So whatever it was, we don't know exactly, Randy, you're right. We don't know. But whatever it was, you can't do a redo on it. Whatever it is, you can't do a redo. That's the point. And that redo is, the impossible redo is so serious that it says you can't be led again to repentance because you're, you are abusing Jesus. And God says, I will not let that happen again. So it is, whatever it is, it is really, really serious. And by the way, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Let's take us. Okay, we've got 100 people here. How about this? What if I told you and all you ever heard is that, listen, you all are so secure that no matter what sin you engage in, no matter what attitude you embrace that's wrong, no matter how against Christ you may live, it's okay. You are so secure and you're so loved that God's not going to let you go. You can't. You can't break out of God's grip. What if that's all you ever heard? What would happen to you in your faith? And be honest. What, what would happen? Trina, what would happen? There would be no foundation. You'd lose foundation. You'd lose... What else would you lose? Relationship with God. Relationship with God. Because is there something inside of you that moves you toward what is wrong? What if there was virtually no consequences for that? What if that were true? Do you realize what would happen? Like we think we're really disciplined people with, with integrity. Take away all the stoplights in Arkansas. What do you think what would happen? You think we'd move to a primal state? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Randy's right. Boy, the language is ambiguous. We're not exactly sure. But whatever it is, there's no redo on the renew. Whatever that is. Because I'm not going to let you abuse my son. Now, Randy, here, this, is, this is how I've settled it for the long haul. You know, I, I, uh, I have dear, 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 dear fam, family and friends in the Church of Christ tradition. And they believe, Randy, that you actually can lose your salvation. All right? But they also believe that you can get resaved. And that's where I have my problem. Right there. Because if, Randy, if this is a person that was truly born again, and then they lose that, there's no renewal. There's no redo on it. 
That settles a lot of issues, by the way. Now, if you're of at Church of Christ Mindset or other denominations like that, if you get a redo, some questions are begged. What sins are so bad that you get kicked out? The little white lie? Can you get away with that one? Do you see where this goes? Is it, is it a little snarky attitude? Well, that gets you kicked out of God's kingdom. Where does it go? And it, it goes down an awful rabbit hole, theologically, when you figure out, if, if, you can't, if you believe you can lose your salvation, then you've got to figure out which sins are the really bad ones. Avoid those, because you'll get unsaved on those. But these, eh, not so much. And we're just struggling with our faith. You know, It leads to a big mess. So here's how I settle it. When you are truly born again, Randy, the real deal, it's forever. You don't lose your salvation. If it's real, boom, settled. If it's real, it's permanent. If it's not real, mm, it's bad. It's real bad. And I don't care what lingo we use because you can't ignore John 10, 27 to 30. And Randy, by the way, there's about a dozen other scriptures besides John 10 that talk about the permanence of salvation. But here's where the church, this is where we really mess up. We don't like, we don't like to hear this. We, get, we want ear candy. Now, if, if let me speak plainly. Why in the world did the author even bother to include four to six? Why? Why? You tell me. Come on, you're theologians. It's because he's not writing a manual on how to build a VCR. He's having a conversation with people and he's trying to convince them of something that's really important. So this is not a, this is not a technical document. Hebrews is not a technical document where we are to line up every little jot and tittle as a law. He is having a conversation with people and he needs to convey to them the gravity of what they're doing. And how else do you do that except by saying, look, don't fall away. Yes. Yes. This is not a PhD dissertation on the technical acumen of theology. This has everything to do that there are people and well, how about this? Let's just say this half right here. You guys are so sick and tired of the pressure that you're quitting your walk with Christ. You're quitting. You're out. You will not come to Christ Church ever again. You're not going to go anywhere. You're not just going to jump church because you've got better friends at some other church or they do a better job at the band or something or the preacher's taller and, or something. I don't know. Whatever. Why would you go to the church, right? So, you know, you're just gone. You're not going. You're, you're turning your back on Christ and you're out. Is that a problem? When you turn your back on Jesus, it's serious business. And that's the point, Andrea. Yes, that is the point. If it wasn't the point, then why in the world did he say this? That gets us little American Christians kind of shaken up. You know why? Because we need to be shaken up. Because we get so casual and so haphazard and lackadaisical in our faith that we can, you know, you can, you can hang out in the cafe for the entire service and it's all okay. No, it's not Okay. This is where the word of God is taught. Honor the word of God. Take it seriously. 
right? That's just the beginning. We can pick on a million things. We can go in any different direction you want. I'm trying to tell you, following Jesus is life-changing. And when you don't, it is serious, <coughs> serious business, okay? But beloved agapatoi, we are convinced that you're not in that group. You hang in there. You're not a quitter, throw fitter. You didn't get picked for the kickball team in third grade, and you're still mad about that. Okay? You are willing to sit next to somebody who's been soaking in their urine for days and bring in the blanket because they're cold and associate with those Christians who are persecuted. By the way, do you think churches have little mental lists of who's in and who's out in a church? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. We can drop names, can't we? Well, remember old so-and-so? They used to walk with Jesus. So-and-so doesn't anymore. There's a list. We've got lists. Do you realize that, that he is actually hinting at a list of those who are quitters and those who endure? And his second group are those who endure. Do you, realize, do you know what he's going to do in chapter 11? Talk about a list, Andrea. Whoa. <laughs> Talk about a list. Man. You know, at times getting way out of hand and uh, your hunger for the word of God is brilliant. And I'm, I'm so encouraged. I'd love to go another couple of hours with you. Um, if you have never known the love of God as revealed through his son, Jesus, my prayer is that you'll give Jesus your heart. Nobody's going to love you like he loves you. Nobody. You know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Chris, For, can I say one thing? Yes, sir. What that, what the fallen around reminds me of the parable of the seeds. When, when Christ was talking about throwing the, casting the seeds into yes. the soil. And to yes. me, the fallen is like those seeds that were on the rocks. Yes. And when it went in the rain and it washes them all. The wind in the rain is the, is the, are you going to do this? And they, no, they didn't take root. Yes, yes. That's the people that were the fallen, because they didn't yes. actually take root. They, they got the seed, but they didn't actually Yes, say. yes, David, thank you, thank you. Yes, David. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I want you to know that your sin and my sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59, your sins have made a separation between you and your God, between you and your God, that he cannot hear your prayer. And that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. And yet, while we were yet sinners, God loved us. And God believed that there's something inside of you that is of such value. He believed that, that it was worth it to send his son to die for you. And that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you ask for this mystery, it's a, my, it's a mystery. I, I, you can't, Andrew, it's not in the technical readout on how to build a, a VCR, as you say, or how to change the screen out in your iPhone. It's not that way. But somehow Jesus steps out of heaven and steps inside of you. It's called being born again. And it's something you ask for. It's something you beg of God and you say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I have, 
I have tried to live my life apart from you, and it's not working. I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. Would you please save me? Would you please step out of out of heaven and step inside of me and I will be your follower it's a mystery it's called being born again I it, it's it's real it happened to me on October 9 19 I was uh, 16 years of age it, it changed my life if you've never done that please don't leave here today without settling that don't all right Yes. <laughs> and we're with God forever. And also, when He's with us on earth, that's when we can be happy and joyful and like have that bit of heaven, bit of being with God forever, no matter what the situation is. So you, you could be in a terrible situation, but as long as you, like, you have and realize the love God has for you, who makes <laughs> Margaret, you spoke <clears throat> You just quoted Hebrews eleven twenty four to twenty six. You might not have known that, but you did. Moses saw something beyond himself and believed it was worth it to serve the living God, even though everybody else wasn't. So thank you, Margaret. Thank you. It's real. You know what? If you're in group one, the fallen, you're about to hear the worst band play the worst songs on planet Earth. Okay? And I bet Caleb gets off on the rhythm just a little. Just a little. But if you're in group two, the faithful, you're about to listen to the greatest band, sing the greatest songs, and guide you in singing love songs to your Savior. And you know what? It doesn't make a difference if someone misses a beat or gets the chord wrong or someone's flat or something like that. It doesn't matter, does it? You're in love. <laughs> you're in love. Come on. You get to sing love songs to your Savior. How beautiful is that? Are you, are you the fallen? Are you the faithful? Are you somewhere in between? You kind of want one foot in Jesus and one foot in non-Jesus. And you're just kind of uh, stuck. I pray today. Maybe there's going to be something in the song. or Maybe what Margaret said that's going to teach you. Hey. I've got every reason in the world to be faithful because my God is not a neglectful, absentee parent. He's not an abusive, abandoning parent. He's not forgetting me, neglecting me. And I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to be tough. All right, I'm going to pray for you. Abba, Father, Lord, thank you so much. I beg your blessings on us to love you with all our hearts and to be unashamed of your son, Jesus. The word is clear that if we are ashamed of you on earth, when we are talking among men, your word, Matthew 10, you will be ashamed of us before your Father who in heaven. But if we are not ashamed of you on earth, you will not be ashamed of us in heaven. Lord, your word is a, li- it's a living thing. It's breathed. You breathe into your word. And I beg that your word has produced its good work in us so that we will be the tree that bears the good fruit. Abba, Father, help us to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.